This episode of The Luminaries on Deep in the Weeds is proudly supported by Deputy, rostering and timesheets without the usual chaos. Like, I still just love coffee. It is just endlessly interesting. It, it is such a beautiful kind of lens of the world, of different countries, of different parts of the world. Uh, just a really wonderful, interesting and dynamic aspect of like global trade and connection. This is The Luminaries on the Deep in the Weeds podcast. I'm Anthony Huckstep. Coffee in Australia is a part of most people's everyday life. When we think of maturity of our coffee and cafe culture, we often think of Melbourne and Sydney, but Canberra, the nation's capital, has been setting the agenda too. A cup of coffee may only cost a bit of spare change, but for some operators, the lengths they go to to ensure the final product in the cup is second to none is quite extraordinary. Sam Burns is the co-owner and roaster of Barrio Collective in Braddon, ACT. Sam, how are you? Yeah, great. Yeah. It's great to have you on the show. You've been um, really setting the benchmark in the capital uh, over the last couple of years. When did you first start getting interested in coffee? Um, I would say from when I was 18, I went on my first uh, trip to Europe and particularly in Italy and uh, definitely going from Canberra to um, Italian cities, I was really drawn by uh, espresso bar culture. And um, so I think that was where it really hooked me. It was the first time that I'd had coffee that I really enjoyed. But it was, more than anything, it was like that early morning, like city buzz and um, and atmosphere that first got me in. And then it was kind of over the years following that, that the actual quality, like the actual coffee itself became more and more what it was about. Um, yeah, but that was that was where it kicked off, I'd say, in in Rome. <laughs> yeah. Well, take us over to Rome. Uh, do you have any experiences that you can take us through that really sort of lit that fire for you? Oh, like because I was 18 and I'm I'm now 36, so it is going back a few years. But I, so it's not like I have um, venue names or anything, but it's definitely like, yeah, this one espresso bar that was just downstairs from where I was staying and it's just like one euro for a, um, for a coffee and you just drink it at the bar. I, I just remember that spot and just how easy it was to drink and, and the atmosphere. And then there was another spot as well in Rome that was the first time I'd been into a uh, like a roastery as well as espresso bar and I bought some fresh coffee from there which I then travelled for the next like three or four months just working through um, with a little like portable stovetop um, brewer that I bought as well but so they're, they're like in in my memory um, of those early days but again that's that's going back like so far um, yeah, I was a kid <laughs> yeah I'd love to explore what you're doing these days and, and the steps to, to create Barrio but what, what was your first sort of um, step into hospitality um, when I got back from that time overseas I was pretty keen to be involved in cafes and uh, I was really keen on all things Italian and so the next couple of years I had two 
jobs that were just awesome. One, one was working for a gelato shop and that was with an Italian owner and she was, she was awesome. And, um, and then the other one was working for um, a guy named Louis who had Cafe Louis back in like the late 90s, kind of through to 2006 or 2007. And I think working for two Italian um, business owners who were so kind of confident and sure of their product and so in love with their product, that um, was definitely uh, showed me a lot and, and I think um, – helped move along just that being really like understanding about being really passionate about your own product and knowing that you're doing something that you're really into <laughs> yeah. yeah I'm just laughing I'm just laughing because they were so um they were so you know confident and, and sure of themselves it was just like bulletproof hey like it was <laughs> they did they did the best and so yeah that was it kind of helped you know, if, if not to just be kind of downright arrogant, at least to be like kind of confident and in love with what you're doing. <laughs> so, so I took that on. Yeah. What was it about cafes that lured you in the first place and, and the, the thought of having a career in them? Yeah, that's a really good question. Um, I think like the making something by hand that's then also quite, it's in quite a dynamic setting, like you're making it on the spot and around people. So just the, the sort of, yeah, like the atmosphere. Yeah, I, I can't really think of a better word. I just really loved being in the atmosphere of um, like of a cafe environment. And then the fact that you're making something, but, um, you know, like I've got a brother who's a ceramicist and when he's making things, he's making things at home, like taking um, a while to make them and then fire them. It's a slower process, but something about that dynamic process of on the spot, like hand making, um, drew me in. And yeah, I think just being in that atmosphere is cool. Cafes are cool. <laughs> I think that was, <laughs> I think that's what drew me in. The the uh, experience in Italy sort of started the, the coffee bug, but when you came back, you explored it further. When did you take the real deep dive into coffee? Yeah, that was um, after my first daughter was born, and that was 2010. And I think for the few years before that, I was finishing up at uni and I was doing an office job and um, just like being more and more drawn into what was happening in Melbourne and in Sydney with um, like the rise of small coffee roasters and just a different uh, like rise of um, different knowledge about coffee, different sourcing of coffee, so different single origins. And, um, and so I was really, that was kind of like my, my side hobby or what was really interesting to me. And, um, and so then it was, I remember once, um, yeah, once my first daughter was born, that was the thing that kind of was enough of a, I don't know, like a wake-up call to, to actually say like, right, right, I'm actually going to give this a go. So, um, yeah, that was the, yeah, that was the, the beginning of actually deciding. And it was good as well because I was, like I was only two years out of uni then and I'd been doing a job I didn't really enjoy and so then I felt like I just decided that I was going to like treat that um, beginning in coffee and hospitality as a as like study time or as an apprenticeship so that was good 
um, I just kind of decided on my own that I would treat it like learning, learning something from the start. And, um, and I think that really helped because then I spent a good few years just feeling like I was just, I was learning and, um, rather than say just working or yeah. Yeah. But tell us about this, um, this sort of apprenticeship approach, where, where did you start to learn the craft and understanding of what it takes to create a great coffee experience and great cafe? Mm, it was through, uh, at the time, it was Jared Deaton who owns um, Three Mills Bakery now. And he was running a little cafe out of Marcus Clark House in um uh, in Canberra City, and and I just happened to be there one day and discovered they were using single O from Sydney, and he was really putting a lot of effort into the coffee, and so just struck up like in um, conversations with him and and a connection with him, and also like just someone to talk about what's what's happening further afield in Sydney and in Melbourne, and with like the specialty roasters and things like that, and and it was Jared who. Um, <laughs> at the time because I was still doing that other job he was like well, why don't you come and work here if you're so interested in it and and um and so then that was yeah like in uh late 2010 that was uh when I started working that part-time and and like because at the time he had the vision of um turning the cafe he was running into a roastery and cafe and so that was the the birth of two before ten out of that space and um and so that happened within like a few months of me starting there and because of the timing and the interest um yeah i got to launch into um starting to roast there as well and so yeah that was really the like the playground where in terms of how I was referring to it as an apprenticeship, that was really where I was observing everything, kind of like customers, you know, the rushes of the day, like the people's experiences, just trying to pick up on everything as well as really focusing in on the actual craft, like understanding. You know, it, was a very, it was a very manual way to make coffee back then. Like now we've got, um, you know, puck press and... Um, automatic grinders and things but this was when you're clicking away on a grinder and tamping and tapping and all this stuff it was awesome um and so like really getting into that like learning the learning the um the craft of that day in day out as well as uh just observing the kind of broader things um that that go with it like yeah understanding more of that um you know, that, that atmosphere and people's experience and things like that. Yeah. That foray into roasting. Tell us about what that was like, the challenges and the failures and successes. Do you have any stories of, of that learning process? Oh, I've got lots of <laughs> stories, particularly when we were first roasting out of two before 10. And um, it was, you know, a, a bit of a bold move to put in, a decent sized roaster into an office building. Um, it just came with all kinds of things we had to consider with like smoke and heat and stuff like that. And so I think we probably had every bad experience you can imagine. Like everyone who's a coffee roaster will refer to having, you know, a couple of experiences with a fire in the roaster or in the flu or something. But just in the middle of like a really busy inner city cafe, it just felt like it really 
heightened <laughs> the intensity of those experiences. So yeah, I remember. Yeah, I remember one time there being a, a pretty, um, pretty epic, uh, like. It wasn't necessarily fire in the roaster. It's a bit more complicated to explain, but um, yeah, the, the fire brigade came and they had to like close off the building, and, um, and that was a few years in as well. So I mean, like the first few years were more just as we were learning more about roasting, we were just you know roasting coffee that often just tasted shit. <laughs> um, yeah, so. Yeah, lots of um, experimentation and playing around, um, and and yeah, that that definitely took a while to figure out starting something from scratch. Um, yeah, you started to build connections with with the growers and and the the actual coffee beans and the whole process. Um, to take us on that journey of the importance of that and what sort of connections you made. Mm. For me, definitely, it was a couple of years into well, a couple of years into roasting. I went and did a course with um, a guy in San Francisco named Willem Boot, and he was a pretty renowned uh, coffee roasting teacher. Um, but he also had done a lot of uh, work at Origin, particularly in Ethiopia, like in in mapping growing regions of Ethiopia and and understanding different. Um, uh, like varietals and things in Ethiopia, and so um, that was really that was really great because it took the coffee roasting I was doing just in Canberra that we'd been kind of troubleshooting and learning as we go, like taking it to a um, someone who's actually got like an international standard and knowledge bank and everything, and so that felt like that definitely opened up so much for me, and from that point the interest in um, in origin and um, the coffee growing world kept growing. Um, and, and then I would say there was a point, it was maybe a little bit later than that, and that was probably like 2013 by this stage, um, when I just started getting to taste some coffees from different roasters around the world that really started blowing my mind because <laughs> um, I, I think up until that point in time the the uh, coffee making culture like we were having these really kind of thick syrupy espresso shots and um, you know like packing a lot of coffee into the basket and only extracting out like a, a small amount and so they're really sweet really kind of thick oily um, shots and um, and it was like that was um, great for some reasons, uh, like it really worked at that point in time, but then it, it wasn't really doing justice to the diversity of coffee. And so, um, and so I think what happened was really like the introduction to coffee cupping, which is what I really learned in when I went over for that week in San Fran. Um, so, so tasting coffee where you just have the same sample amounts, like you just have um, some ground coffee, some hot water, and so you can have all these different coffees side by side and get into the different flavors. I think that was what really um, showed me that just it was a bit one-dimensional what we were, what I'd been learning and what um, was going on. Um, and so then like just getting some coffee 
from these different roasters around different parts of the world and tasting just all these, you know, wild notes and um, just really different cup profiles through that method of just um, cupping. Um, that was probably what, like, opened up from just having a kind of one-dimensional, like, espresso machine coffee knowledge and experience to um, opening up the... Um, opening up a lot more possibilities. Uh, and that doesn't really answer your question about um, connection with growers and everything. Um, but so I'd say from where I started roasting, it was more about making the connections with people that were focusing on that work in Australia. Like as a, as a small roaster, um, we, like I, I would be you know, seeking around for the best ways to get these interesting coffees and decent coffees. And so that opened up the people that were really um, doing that work of, of working with roasters here and working with growers overseas. And it's amazing because now that is, um, there's, there's like a really good handful of people doing that in Australia now. So the, there's a lot more, um, there's, there's so much more choice and, um, so much more, um, yeah, like opportunity now. But that was definitely how I went about learning about different origins and, and where the coffee comes from and how it was produced um, through those uh, relationships. I was with people in Australia, but who were working with buying coffee. Um, yeah. This episode of The Luminaries on Deep in the Weeds is proudly supported by Deputy helping managers and staff do their best work. At Deputy, we're on a mission. We're on a mission to simplify shift work for every cafe, every restaurant, every bar, every business owner, every dishy, every waiter, every cook, every sous chef. This is the industry that will thrive with Deputy. For more information, go to deputy.com. Barrio sets an incredible standard for a cafe experience in the nation's capital. Um, t tell us about the creation of the idea and picking the site and, and how you pulled it all together. Uh, it was, yeah, it was a really exciting time, actually, because it was just when um, I had been with 2 Before 10 for it was three years or so, and 2 Before 10 was um, moving out of that building it had been in and moving out to um, where it's been since this time um, at the Aranda shops. And for me, I was like, like I explained, like I was so drawn to more like espresso bar, like inner city, um, like that kind of atmosphere and dynamic. And then I was also really coming into... Um, wanting to express a lot more with coffee, like roasting differently, having a real focus on filter coffee. And so that was the time when I just realized, oh, it's time for me to look for um, a different opportunity. And from when I made that choice, um, it was only a couple of months before um, we, we found the location on Lonsdale Street and... Um, I think, like, I think I, I had the name and the concept of what it would be like before we found like a physical spot. Um, yeah, and that, I think that just came out of you know visiting some other places and being really clear on on how 
I, I wanted the coffee to be roasted and um, served and things like that. So it kind of was kind of like, you know, small standing room um, only, like a little bit of kind of raised bar seating and just like a neighborhood and a coffee shop that can offer some like good quality food, but really simple, just like some good kind of house-made things, toast things. And so that was the whole the concept. And I had the name Barrio as well. And, um, and so that was the concept. And then, yeah, it was really quickly after that, the, the little space on Lonsdale Street, I just drove past one day and was like, yeah, that's, yeah, that's it. <laughs> that's the spot. And, um, and then so, yeah, got the lease like, yeah, just within a few weeks of that. And then we started um, <laughs> doing too much of our own fit out and everything else. Um, but it was quite quick. Like it felt like it just um, arose out of uh, like my interest and also Dan, um, my business partner, like our interest in just coffee evolving and, and needing a new um, place to, to express that and really make that, um, give that a home. Um, just our conversations, like, oh, imagine if we did this. Imagine if we did this. Imagine if it was this simple. Imagine if we <laughs> only had this option. And and then it, um, yeah, and then it actually came together. What was the response like in the early days when you when you first opened up? Yeah, really good. Yeah, it was it was much quieter up this end of the street. Like we're up the um, like the park end of Lonsdale Street which wouldn't make much sense to people that don't know Lonsdale Street but it's not the city end and um, at the time there was um, it was when Braddon was going through that kind of initial stage of taking down the old buildings and putting in apartment buildings and so it was still quite quiet up here and so we were there was an element of like risk, like will enough people come come to this area and everything. Um, but in terms of like the response to when we opened, it was it was awesome actually. It really like everything that we thought that was important um, was met with at least enough people who to, who who got it and thought that it was a good idea because like we. We knew going into a, a busy street like Lonsdale Street and putting in a cafe there. I mean, we had to we had to make choices to um, set ourselves apart. And I mean, that it seemed obvious because of what we wanted to do. We just wanted to have you know like simple coffee options, just simple good food options, and you know serving things just in handmade ceramics and just to focus on like filter coffee and so it was just good that enough people got that and appreciated that um that um yeah the response was really really positive um so we yeah from day one we were just like it's the business has just gone as well as we could have imagined um yeah which was awesome <laughs> Give it gives a sense of what the offering is there. What, what sort of food offering do you have uh, on, on at, at the moment? Uh, at the moment, it's it's still like a small menu. Um, kind of hard to talk a way around it, but I guess it 
it's like cafe food, so it's not it's not much more from just like toasted sandwiches and a few open plates and things like that. But I, I think the thing that we always focused on was the um, making as many things as we could ourselves, um, and also yeah. So in that preparing things from scratch, so you know, like it it can just be a toasted sandwich, but. They're the pickles that we made. It's the mustard we made. It's like the it's it's the beef that we've like slowly cooked in the oven here, and then it's just a really nice cheese or whatever. So it's like simple stuff, but there's just that focus on, um, uh, yeah, like good ingredients and lots of things that we've personally made by hand. Um, and that was the when we first opened that was the idea as well but we definitely wanted it to be a little bit more out there so we had like anchovies on toast and like you know <laughs> autism anchovies on toast at a coffee shop and like things like things like that that you know over the years it has just gone more simplified to um just um seasonal like seasonal changes but really just a selection of like banging toasties and uh, a few other like open open toast options and bowls and stuff yeah you're also roasting your own coffee i mean what what's important when you're roasting coffee what how do you get the best out of those beans yeah that like that was one of the things that when we opened barrio we had a really um specific idea of the the profile of the coffee we wanted and so that's become quite um natural now in how we do things and so what that is is it's definitely like a lighter approach to roasting um but it's also selecting coffees that just have the right kind of characteristics so generally we're um we're selecting coffees that are from like central america through central america like um yeah like Guatemala and Honduras and uh, El Salvador and then like down to Colombia just because they're coffees that when you're tasting them generally have this really beautiful kind of middle like intensity and you know kind of caramels and those kind of mid-range flavors like not really out there floral citrusy things or not really dark earthy things just beautiful like raisins and caramels and milk chocolates and stone fruits and so that kind of range of coffees and then just treating it with um like a, a fairly light roast so that it's still quite vibrant in the cup but it because of the the coffee's character it's got this just nice um richness to it like not quite richness but just like it just enough to hold it um and so that's you know that was kind of what i was discovering about coffee roasting in the lead up to us opening and now it's really good because it's just we we can taste 20 samples and the two or three samples on the table that we know will be good for our flat whites and long blacks just stand out because they've just got that um, character. And, um, and, and that's kind of what it is. It's, it's those really nice, like, um, you, you know, pretty mild um, acidic coffees that are from, uh, yeah, like Central American countries and Colombia. They're just the ones that just have that kind of cup quality that, um, we know how to uh, treat in the roaster and um, and then how to um, yeah get the best out of the machine with um, 
Yeah, and so that's for like espresso coffee and then uh, with filter coffee, like we're definitely often more drawn towards um, uh, more like lighter, refined um, East African coffees, so like washed Ethiopian coffees and Kenyan ones. And, and that's just because on that, um, like as a filter method and like batch brew, which we sell like liters of every day, um, which is awesome. That was <laughs> That was one of the great things when we opened. Um, yeah, just that nice, like, nice fruitiness, nice, clean, like, so you can drink a, a mug of it and feel like it's quite um, refreshing or refined kind of cup. It's not too big and, like, um, heavy and thick. And so they're the kind of general, like, parameters of the coffees we select and and um, and the roasting profiles that we use as well. Um, and it really suits us and... Um, and yeah, it definitely feels like, you know, that's an interesting thing year in and year out because there's always different origins, there's always different um, harvests, like every year is different, every coffee is different. So it's like even having a kind of um, set of parameters like we do, it, it, it doesn't take anything from the creativity because coffee is just this endlessly beautiful um, thing to explore. Um, yeah, it's always new. It's always new and fresh. What does it take yeah. to make a great coffee? Hmm, I would still say just like good quality coffee beans. Like I don't think you can um, get past that uh, because you can definitely like stuff up brewing. But if you're starting with something good, then... I mean, it just makes everything so much easier. Um, and I think, yeah, I, I'd say, like, it definitely seems like the access to, like, the, as I should say, like, the standard of what coffee is available is is way better now um, than a few years back. It feels that way anyway. So it's like there's, you know, there's opportunities in every city and every town to get, like, fresh roasted coffee. So... Um, yeah, it's definitely like fresh coffee, quality coffee, and then just some attention, like just take a little bit of time, um, learning some, you know, some technique, like whether it's espresso or whether it's pour over or AeroPress or something like taking a bit of time to learn technique. So then it's not just like a, you'll get a result that's like, might be good, <laughs> might not work. Um, but I, yeah, I'd just say that's my biggest thing, just yeah, fresh coffee, good quality coffee. Yeah, Australia has a, an extraordinary cafe culture, and um, there's all levels of of cafe offerings uh, out there. But f- from your perspective, what what makes a great cafe? Yeah, I I feel like the standard of cafes has just improved and improved and improved. Um, so it's not like it was previously where you know, maybe you'd go somewhere because of the specific roastery they use or the specific barista that's on the machine or something like that. It's like there's a really good, consistent standard across a lot of venues now. Um, So, yeah, I still think, like, I still think just, you know, atmosphere, um, yeah, it's, yeah, I don't want to, like, you know, downplay all of the different elements because I know that there are but it's just like with the standard that we have now um, it's there's a lot of there's a lot of good coffee roasters a lot of good cafes a lot of 
good baristas, a lot of good people making food. And so, yeah, to me, it's, it is still um, like having those things, uh, but yeah, just the general, like just, just the feel, <laughs> just the atmosphere. I don't, I don't know what else to say. Like I'm, I'm definitely drawn to that. Um, yeah. You, you took an incredible leap of faith and created what's become one of the nation's, the capital's um, best cafes. What sort of business advice would you have for someone young looking to open their own venue? Oh, yeah, just do it. Hey, because like <laughs> it's it's awesome that Barrio, like we're coming up to seven years and it's awesome that it um, that it's, worked for that amount of time and it did it was a leap of faith so i think i think you, you definitely have to have that at one stage there'll be that one moment where you have to take a bit of a leap or a risk or, or something um so yeah so in terms of um yeah opening your own place there's there will be that moment where you have to like just take that leap of faith um i think also though to spend some good time learning and um yeah so i i guess it's just seek out people that you respect or seek out products you like and and pick up that knowledge so that then there's a a backing um there's a there's a knowledge base and i don't think there's like an amount of time on that but i think it is really important and i think we have like a fair bit of energy to to kind of burn through in that way like learning and and working you know like working a bit too hard and like taking on too many things or whatever like for whatever reason a lot of us do that um and so while doing that making it meaningful in terms of what you're learning um rather than just like working so hard that you're just knackered and running around um so making sure that yeah like that you're in a setting where you can get a lot out of it like learn a lot even if it is learning like oh, i wouldn't do that i wouldn't do that i wouldn't do that like that's still shaping whatever you'll do in the future so um yeah yeah that would probably be my advice like don't don't fear spending some time just learning like just doing work that isn't maybe exactly what you want to be doing just yet but um it's working towards it's always in the right direction yeah You've, over the last seven years, you've built this incredible uh, brand. What is it that you love about what you do? Ah, oh, yeah. The, like, I still just love coffee. Like, I, I mean, I drink so much less coffee than I did. Um, and so that's, like, a challenge now is I've got to be really wise with the coffees that I do drink. Um, but, like, I, it's still, like, a love of coffee. Like, it is... Um, it is just endlessly interesting. It, it is such a, like a beautiful kind of lens of the world, of different countries, of different parts of the world, uh, like different, you know, like a, a global, you know, it's a global trade, but just a really wonderful, interesting and dynamic um, aspect of like, global trade and connection and it, you know it comes down to it it's like it's just delicious and I really I just feel really really connected like I, I love coffee um yeah and so that's that's one part of it and the other part is for sure just being 
connected with um, people who also live around here. I think particularly with the last two years, like from the bushfires and then through the pandemic, um, feeling the yeah the that this is a space that a lot of people are connected through, and that just on its own has like a bit more depth um, than you know, maybe I'd considered when I first set it up. So I really appreciate um, the connection with people because you just don't know, you know, how that'll take shape, what that means to people, but it's pretty phenomenal, actually. Um, yeah. Well, Sam, your influence on so many people has been phenomenal and we've loved having you on the Luminaries on Deep in the Weeds today to hear your story. Uh, please keep in touch and uh, we'll catch up again soon. Oh, yeah. Thanks heaps. I really enjoyed the questions. Um, yeah, it was great to chat about it. This is the Deep in the Weeds podcast. I'm Anthony Huckstep. Stay tuned as we take a deep dive into the lives of the incredible people who ply their trade in the food and hospitality sector. Special thanks to executive producer Rob Locke for making this all happen. Follow us on Instagram at Deep in the Weeds podcast or email us at podcast at deepintheweeds.com.au. Stay safe and be well.